Well, hello there, babes, and welcome back to another episode of Your Place or Mine. I'm your host, Bay Savage. It is an exciting night here in the Babe Cave, as I am blessed with the presence of a beautiful man who I have probably over the last year or so become better friends with. We've been talking about having him on the podcast for a little while, and I'm so fucking excited about this. So today, I would like to introduce you to Saeed Adabaki. Hi, Saeed. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm so good. Even better now that you're here. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Me too. We were both talking about how hot it is. It's finally summer. (sighs) It's summer. I am currently sweating fairly profusely so it's good that like the rest of the babes can't see what's going on it is currently like 38 degrees in my apartment i'm drinking rosé with ice in it so if you hear like glasses clinking first of all mind your own business second of all mind your own business (laughs) (laughs) so i know saeed through my good friend ali also known as edna millions who's been on the show i just realized that like Last week's episode with Bella Mitchell, I know through Allie. This week is you, I know through Allie. Like, maybe I should just have Allie on the show next week. (laughs) She gets around. She gets around with the friends. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think I first met you at one of Allie's birthdays. And I'll be honest, I was always quite intimidated by you before I actually got a chance to get to know you. And I've never told you this before. (laughs) You're just like... Okay, babes, I'll paint you a picture, okay? So, Saeed is just, he's just, he's so eloquent, and he always comes across so put together. It's just, obviously, his, like, skin is always glowy and dewy and perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And you're obviously just such an expert on literature and movies and queer culture and all of these things in general and the fact that it's pride month it was the perfect time to have you on my show so i'm so looking forward to this conversation oh my god how how do i live up to that um (laughs) i i love people who take me out of my comfort zone and you do and they i think that that's um so the feeling is mutual but it's feeling of of respect and I think that your podcast from um, the episodes that I've listened to and from our conversations together it's all really comes down to you respect your audience you respect your listeners um, you respect because you kind of own your space and I think that that's where we come together. I, it has taken me 41 years to really own my space. And I think that that's where um, we meet somewhere in between. It's about having a positive outlook on the space that you own. It could be a small space. It could be a square. It could be the size of your body, um, but it's yours. You know what I mean? I love that. I really do. Luckily, I think in a lot of ways, like when the pandemic happened and all these horrible things happened through that, we actually were able to connect a little bit more. So like you are one of the sunshiny things that came out of 2020 for me, which is really wonderful. Uh, And I'm excited for what we're going to unpack today. So why don't you start by tell the babes a little bit about you. Tell, tell the babes what you do. Tell the babes why you're here. Let's, let's start from there. Okay. I grew up in London, Ontario. I grew up in conservative, 
predominantly religious, predominantly white London, Ontario, being a queer person of color and, you know, growing up, like, for example, I was 15 in 1995. So um, I, putting that into context, because I, I personally think that being a queer person in a small town is never easy. But um, in 1995, I can tell you it was a little bit different than 2021. So I um, moved to Toronto in 2005. I am a former makeup artist and I kind of work in the same industry still, but more on the education side. I work in skincare now, hence the glowy, dewy skin that you were talking about. Um, but I, I, I traveled a lot for work and this doesn't even um, start there, but I travel a lot for work. I had a lot of time to read. Um, reading is a passion of mine. I um, remember my mom and my sister, my whole entire family were um, very much involved in literature and film. My Both my dad and my mom, um, I remember like my love of like James Bond films came from like my father who loved movies and he loved action movies and my love for like things like musicals and romances um, came from my mother. And I actually came from a very interesting household in a certain respect. My parents actually never censored what we watched or what we read. Oh, interesting. So I, I feel like I'm, I was an advantage of that because I got to watch sex scenes in films and I got to read um, all anything that I wanted to, especially things like, like, you know, when I was 11 or 10 or 11, like, you know, V.C. Andrews books and stuff like that, where it was just like quite risque for anyone our age <laughs> back then. Yeah. Um, so I, I developed a, a huge love for reading in general. I, I would read whatever I could get my hands on. And um, my love for movies came from there too. But since it is Pride Month and we are talking about like queer culture, I most like a lot of queer people couldn't really see myself in any of these stories that I was watching or reading. So I was always on a constant quest for um, being able to, you know, own my own space, but also be seen in other spaces. So I, I find that that's an interesting like topic for more queer people to talk about when they get together is, you know, well, what was the first book or movie that you finally saw yourself in? Yes. So, Well, and I think growing up in London, Ontario, obviously gives <laughs> you different opportunities than some other places. And for myself, growing up in Guelph, like, there wasn't really a gay bar in Guelph. There was bars that did gay nights. So anyone who's from Guelph would know Thursdays at the Albion was such a fucking incredible night. And me and friends would go there to dance just because it was like a safer space where we weren't going to get hit on by outrageous men and we were going to have a really good time. So what was it like growing up queer in London, Ontario? It was, it should have been more terrifying than it was, but I, um, I, I saw the worst of it, but I also saw the best of it. I, um, so the worst of it was being there. I had a friend who was incredibly effeminate, but he was just like a ray of sunshine. He was your local Starbucks barista who just knew your name and your drink. See, like you're, uh, you're smiling. Right I, now know him. Saying that you I know, know him. I know him. I know him. I know him. 
but I remember um, he used to get things thrown at him. He used to get um, beaten up. He used to he used to get the the worst end of it. So I saw that um, I saw that once a month we used to have to evacuate the gay bar because someone pepper sprayed inside of it, and um, so I saw that too. But I also saw the great things where um, bars like where I basically grew up was um, a bar called Call the Office. And on Sundays, they had retro nights. And I found my people there. So I found whether you were um, a woman or a man, gay or straight, goth or country western lover, you came there on a Sunday night. And um, we found each other there. So um, my group of friends who are still my family, that's where I met them. And that's where I cultivated those relationships. And when I decided to leave London, it was those people that was the hardest thing to leave. But London, Ontario was not hard to leave because London, Ontario still to this day. So for example, um, today is June 6th, 7th? 7th. Seven. The latest news out of London, Ontario, a family of five Muslims got killed by some guy just driving into the road, like from the road to kill them because it was a planned attack like that. Let me paint you London. I'm not saying everything about London, Ontario is terrible. And um, don't get me wrong. Every um, city has a great and um, not so great things about it, but don't don't send me hate mail for London, Ontario. <laughs> hey, sorry, I you know what? <laughs> don't don't. But um, that that was my experience in coming to um, Toronto in two thousand and five. I came just like every queer kid comes to a bigger city, and my story is not. Um, you know, uncommon because I came to experience big city life. I wanted more career opportunities. I wanted to find love. I wanted to, I wanted to experience all the things that I had seen in those movies growing up. So that's why I had to leave London. Yeah. I, I really think like when you talk about wanting to like read stories or see movies and find different mediums that actually speak to you and speak to stories that you can relate to. Like I can't even just thinking about how to find different ways to connect in a larger way. And I think London is a lot like Guelph in many ways. And I remember my first experience, like being a straight woman, when my ex-husband's brother came out as being gay, first of all, I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, obviously. Patrick, if you're listening at all, I still obviously love you so very much. And he, he, when he came out, it was very, very challenging and it was really hard for his family and they're more traditional and more conservative. And I was super honored that he came to me first. And I still like remember that night at the vinyl in Guelph, this like ridiculous bar that had $2 drinks every single night of the week. And for him, it was obviously this very, very scary situation. And that was actually the caveat for me leaving religion. And like leaving the church because everyone I knew who the, through the church at that time, when I was still a good Christian kid back in the day before I decided I preferred to sin, everyone was like, oh, he's just going to hell. I was like, okay, I think I'm out then. Like, I think I'm kind of done with this. Like, that's fucked. So I'm going to go on Patrick's team. I'm <laughs> like, you guys can do whatever the fuck you want. So obviously, like not being anywhere near this situation, like I can't even imagine what that's like. And then when you dig into what are the queer stories and queer books we're reading, we aren't like, we just not. So I think that's 
I think that would be an interesting place to start. Like maybe speaking to the baby queers out there <laughs> who are looking for books to read or something to connect to before they spend a decade trying to figure it out on their own and find all these stories that don't actually relate to them. Like, let's go with like, where do you start? I think that um, if, if, if this is for every one of your listeners, if you, if you want to, if you want to understand someone walk a mile in their shoes. And I think that reading a few pages of their stories or watching a film about their lives, it's sort of the same kind of thing. I find that um, I try to now, now expose myself to all sorts of different kinds of queer stories in film and in literature in order to try to better understand all of the spectrum of the rainbow. Um, and, and, and we are, and this is something you and I can talk about maybe another time, but um, maybe I'm not the best person for that either, but there is a sexual revolution happening right now as we speak it's boiling under the surface whether it happens to be in the spectrum of the body positivity movement that we're seeing um or our trans um community um being more seen and having those stories told a little bit more those books being published those those films being made those actors and actresses getting hired um there, there is stuff happening all the time, but um, I think that if I was going to give a younger queer generation um, some advice on books and films to read and watch, I would start off with, this is, this is interesting. You're making me think. <laughs> I, okay, I'll, I'll, here, this is where I will start. Let's start, let's start um, Stonewall. Let's start Stonewall. We'll start in 1969, um, 68-69, and let me paint a picture for you. So, in, in Europe, the sexual revolution has started already when in film and in literature, um, and there are a little bit more um, positive um, views of queer people inside of those mediums, which is literature and in film. Um, there is an Italian director called, um, and his name is Pasolini. Um, he has probably made one of the most controversial kink movies of all time. Oh. And it's called um, 120 Days of Sodom or Sallow. Um, he made another film prior to that called Theorem um, or Theorama. Um, and this movie, super interesting. So there's this Italian um, student, very handsome, comes and decides to spend a summer with this Italian family. And um, he is studying in university and um, sort of like Think Me, Call Me By Your Name, student coming to live with an Italian family, but not exactly where we're going. And think about it, this movie came out in 1969, so um, it should be a lot more conservative, but it isn't. And he sort of like, everyone in that family falls in love with this student, including the father and the younger sister and the mother and the maid and um, the young teenage boy. And he seduces all of them and he wow. has sex with all of them. Oh my God. Um, but um, I he drives them insane. He drives them insane. So he leaves halfway throughout the movie and the rest of the time, the family is um, waiting for him to return, but um, they turn to 
religion or they turn to um, they they go insane. Um, so this is kind of like a incredibly queer story um, in 1969. Um, you know, coming out and people are starting to pay attention in North America during 1969. You have you have something like Midnight Cowboy which John Voight and Dustin Hoffman have this very chaste um, love story. More, more, a lot of people argue against the fact that this is not a queer film, but let's just say that it isn't. And this is a really tender uh, moment between two male friends and there's no, you know, patting each other on the back and beer swinging and denying their feelings for each other. Um, right. So um, incredibly queer. But then we also have um, the Stonewall Riots, which is um, the start of Pride. So for um, your listeners who don't know, the, the people who started the reason why we celebrate Pride Month in June came out of this really tiny pub in New York City on the Lower West Side in around Chelsea, Christopher Street called the Stonewall Inn. It was owned by the mob. And I'm super simplifying this story or else we could go on for hours. <laughs> yeah, it's a 14-hour um, long episode. <laughs> yeah, 14-long hour episode on Pride. Um, welcome to... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, it's not going to be one of those. Um, super quick, it was owned by the Mafia and people who worked there were um, trans, um, people of color in the queer community. They were sex workers. They were poor. They were mistreated. They really owned, this was their safe space. And for as little safety there was there, because it was raided so often, it was where they could be themselves unapologetically, sorry. And one night they fought back against police and against authority and decided that they weren't going to take anymore. And pride has always in its heart been protest, protest against the oppression of everything that your listeners stand for. So that, that is um, sort of like painting a picture of where to start. So start, start there, but there's so much great gay literature prior to it. And because um, I'm oversimplifying it, because there's so many great books that came out prior to 1969, um, going all the way back to, you know, our saint and savior, Oscar Wilde. Um, <laughs> Bless his name. <laughs> um, you know, to, to um, going even um, further back and further back generations. Queer people have always existed. No one can erase that. <laughs> wait, so, wait, you mean they didn't just show up and start liking the same gender? What are you nope, talking about? Not like, at all. <laughs> I, I no, uh, and and that's and that's really interesting too because I I have only touched on gay men because um, we have you know bi people we have lesbian people we have people who are non-binary we have trans people we have words for it now but it was really um, those were the stories that sort of were um, being published and also sort of being um, told. Did you ever see the movie Carol with um, and and? And Patricia Highsmith wrote *The Price of Salt*, but th that's in the fifties too. So it's it's all over, and I'm, I'm and I'm generalizing and skipping over so much. But that's that's a really good place to start. And then I would say then let's fast forward to the future because there's so much great stories being told right now. And I want to highlight a movie that came out. I think it's almost five years ago. It's called *Tangerine*. I think you can stream it on Netflix still. Um, it was pretty, it, it made a lot of noise because um, it was shot on an iPhone. 
So, this. I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, I've heard about like, it. Yeah, yeah the people, um, it got nominated for awards. Um, people were like, oh my God, it got shot on an iPhone, a whole film on shot on an iPhone. But at its heart, it's a story of a buddy comedy of these two trans people who um, one of them gets out of jail trying to find her boyfriend and um, her best friend is helping her and it's in LA it's very seedy it's grimy but it's super funny so grab your favorite bottle of um, rosé or you know smoke a joint or whatever you like to do and put on tangerine you'll be so glad you did and then fast forward to Moonlight, which is three years ago, which yeah. is, I think, um, a beautiful positive representation of how hard queer people have it, but also the salvation of finding um, someone like you. And then you can definitely, you know, watch things like Call Me By Your Name. And, but I don't want you to forget that Call Me By Your Name is played by two straight actors and yeah. and here's a here's a funny one because i was listening to ryan o'connor um he has a television show um on netflix called special which if you haven't watched it watch it it's so good I he was it. on it's so Ugh. good yeah special is amazing but he was on um he was on trevor noah and he was talking about like because people are like oh you show sex like bum stuff and he was just like it's not like that shot in call me by your name where army hammer um and Timothy Chalamet are in bed, and then it pans to the moon. And then all you see is moonlight, where you're like, don't you wish people showed sex? Yeah, very much so. But don't you don't you wish that they showed all sorts of sex? Like they would show queer people having sex, lesbian couples having sex, straight couples having sex, straight threesomes, and stuff like that. To make it all less taboo, because if you take fear out of sex, you can talk about it with a lot of boundaries and respect and all of those different things, um, which I think is really cool. So, and then one of the most beautiful lesbian love stories, I have two because we just watched one couple nights ago because I, I, I think it, it was really hot. <laughs> Bound with Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly, okay. which is the Wachowski sisters' beautiful lesbian love story not beautiful it's kind of fun it's a lot of fun and then another one um we go to um france which makes my favorite cinema and blue is the warmest color it's it's really um it's really beautiful it's really sad but it's um essential so there's lots of it lots 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 in in books though if we're coming to this age um, more contemporary, if you haven't read, do read. Um, for my lovers of lesbian fiction, I recommend um, a book called Milk Fed by Melissa Broder. The most interesting book about gender and sexuality is a book called Paul Takes the Form of a Mortal Girl by um, Andrea Le um, Layler, who I think everyone should read. And... I would probably say um, if you're looking to expand your mind and learn a little bit more about um, kink, there's actually a book called Kink Stories, and um, it's um, edited by R.O. Kwan and Garth Greenwell, and there's lots of different kinds of kink stories inside of this book, so I thought that was super, super interesting, but um, yeah, find what appeals to you when it comes to like queer 
literature or film and try to expand your mind by something that doesn't appeal to you, but you want to learn about, because I think that understanding each other um, is just going to make us more understand ourselves better. Like, I know what I don't like, but I also know what I do like, but I really am open to learning more. Maybe I can line, like some more stuff. Yeah. Which I think in sex is the same thing, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is, like, if you like sex and you like kink and you like reading about sex and kink, if you read about sex and kink that isn't heterosexual, it's not less hot. It's actually normally hotter. <laughs> like you are missing out on all of this very incredible content. And you're just going to open yourself up to a whole world that you didn't even know yeah. to turn you on. And how or, dare you keep that from Or yourself. you can just be like, no, thank you. Um, totally. And I think that that's, um, I think that that's why, um, the gay community and the queer community, um, sometimes it's a little bit easier for us because we, as queer people, especially like, you know, let's say two cis men, queer cis men get into the bedroom, we're gonna have to be a little bit expressive about um, what we like and what we don't like and what our boundaries are, are straight right off the bat. It's a little bit less so in a patriarchal society where men get to dominate women whether they like it or not so a lot of like bedroom situations between straight couples could not be a lot of conversation prior to these are the things that I enjoy this is something I don't want you to do this is like a really pleasurable thing for me and um, these are kind of like my fetishes or my kinks like Imagine if you had that right off the bat conversation, which I think that that's one of the upsides of app culture and dating app culture, because yeah. sometimes you can lay that all out there or you can, you can withhold it, but it was a little bit different when you had to like organically meet someone in a bar yeah. where, you know, they buy you a drink, they take you home. Yeah. Well, and I think, so I learned a lot from my queer friends when I first dipped my toe into the realm of polyamory. Because one of the really incredible things is like, yes, I'm into a whole bunch of different kinks and I can explore different kinks with different people. So it's a very natural part of the conversation at the beginning because I wanna know what category that person's gonna fit into for me. So it becomes a conversation that naturally happens because obviously you want to meet someone at a place that they're comfortable and that just becomes such a natural conversation. And I think something that I find so fucking interesting is that kink on its own seems to just be easier to talk about in queer culture than straight culture. I feel some envy when it comes to how open queer culture is about kink and about talking about kink and wanting that to be a more accessible conversation for everyone. So what are your thoughts on all that? I, that's a really, really great um, conversation. So um, I, I, I think from like my personal thoughts on it is don't limit yourself. So even in, and here's the thing, like um, gay culture has become so much more accessible for um, straight people in the last um, 10 years. You get a lot of non-queer people at Pride. Um, 
And they're there to have a good time. They're there to eat good food. They're there to listen to amazing music. They're there to um, watch these amazing drag queens. But they, the, the thing that I um, always say to even my friends who, um, female friends um, who go, you know, and take their other female friends and go to a gay bar, um, I always say is one of the things that you have to understand is you have to respect their space. This is our space. Um, totally. So if, if there's something you're doing that we don't like, then um, we have the right to express that. Yeah. And um, it's because for so many years, we didn't even get to hold hands with our partners in okay. in regular straight clubs. So um, this is this is our space. But um, we gladly welcome everyone to it. And with the opinion of kink at Pride, um, let's not forget where it all started from. Um, it started off with. Um, very sex positive people um, who were trying to fight for their sex positivity. So kink and um, all of that is at its heart a pride and where it stems from. And I believe that, yeah, I, I believe that it's just synonymous with each other. You can't have pride and you, you have to have kink and pride together and they exist in this very safe space together. We, we, one of the things that I say is if there is something that is triggering or outside of your comfort level, there, um, there are very many, most of these kink aspects of pride are not out in the open in the middle of the thing because also they're monetized. Like they, people want you to buy a ticket to that party. To, <laughs> yes. to, so like they're not going to yeah. give that away for free. Yeah, so no. if you think you're walking down yeah. like, um, the street and seeing yeah. people like getting whipped and enjoying it. Yeah, you might if it's amateur hour, but it's not like a production. Yeah, that's no. a sixty dollars ticket. Honey. Yeah, yeah, and you gotta beer. pay your dues if you want to see how much fun we have behind the curtain. Like you can't just show 100%. up. One hundred percent. If we're gonna we're gonna charge money for that, so. <laughs> if, if you, but if you do see queer people enjoying themselves and being their true authentic self, if that um, goes into the realm of kink, I always go back to to for you for you, for straight people to understand that you're in their space. Totally. So you're you're in their space. Another way around, there's no apologizing for it. So that's what I say. And if there are queer people like who are uncomfortable with seeing kink at Pride. Don't go. Yeah, pretty fucking easy solution. Yeah, like if you're a straight person and you don't like gay people, stay out of pride. Yeah. If you're a queer person and you don't like seeing kink of pride, don't go. No. Stay at home. Yeah. There's a rerun of RuPaul's Drag Race you can watch. Jar Jar Engines. I really yeah. think like, so it, it's interesting. My, my relationship with Pride, so I've gone to Pride for many years. I always have a fucking incredible time. I always get wildly dehydrated and feel sick for a couple of days after, but that's fine. And I always go to Pride with my queer friends. And I try and do lots of check-ins about like how I can be showing up in a healthy and safe and accessible and comfortable and including and, and all of these things. Because I understand that as a straight person, like I am a guest at Pride. And pride isn't about me and pride is something that I obviously want to support. And so I will go to pride with my queer friends and it's fucking incredible. So I went like just a straight up question. Like are 
straight people, like should straight people be at Pride? Should, like, what is the conversation? And obviously, like, don't feel like, it's like, oh yeah, if I'm not invited to that party, like, that's fucking fine because we haven't invited queer people to parties for way too fucking long. <laughs> but what, like, if someone's trying to be a better ally, how, where does that start when it comes to Pride? Oh, that's such a good question. I say the having the conversation about it, um, whether, you know, it, it's not the job of a queer person to educate you on queer culture. You have totally. Google. You, you can also really Google things like, um, you know, how to um, be a better person at Thanksgiving dinner or whatever it happens to be. But um, queer people at Pride, I just, um, to be a better ally is choose choose what you're comfortable with because obviously you want it to fall within your comfort level whether it happens to be you know like you know walking around um getting some food going to maybe there's a lot of different aspects of pride that people don't really know about um they have like kids pavilion where if you wanted your um son or daughter to have exposure to different kinds of families where you can show them and be like hey um that that's little girl do you see that's her two dad dads if you if that's where if that's the reason why you want to go to pride is to open up um your family's eyes to maybe some families that they don't get exposed to that's okay um and for me that's okay um there's also sober pride so if you happen to be um sober and you just really love dancing, you can go to sober pride parties and that's incredibly important to really highlight. So if you are an ally and you don't drink and maybe that appeals to you, you can do that. And maybe, you know, party culture does um, trigger you. That's also great. Also know that in the evening, um, people um, get hot and sweaty, whether it's raining or it's really hot, they're gonna take off their clothes. And some people are a lot more comfortable than you and I may be with our naked body or even extremely so. So to the point that you will get people who are completely naked. Like, if, if that doesn't appeal to you, remove yourself from the situation. It's really that easy. Um, what we don't love is we don't want to hear about it because you never know who's within earshot about your disdain or, oh, my God, what are they doing that for? So um, we don't want to hear about it. If you don't love it, remove yourself from the situation. It's kind of like if you were eating a bad meal, you would stop eating it. If you were at a concert where the band sucked, you would leave. Like. Yeah. Remove yourself from a situation um, and being an ally is learning. So expose yourself to more things. Um, and if you don't really think you have anything in common with a queer person, you can take it to a place where this podcast explores, which is sex. So, um, you know, I really like it when my partner or happens to be like kisses me there. Like if that's your common denominator with a queer person, you now have something that ties you and you can talk about. Yeah, and I, I think that's just the thing is like there are commonalities between humans who are into different things. Like we can connect on so many other levels. Like just because one person decides to have sex with mostly this one type of person, and even if that's still straight people to straight people, like if you like having sex with skinny people and someone else likes having sex with curvier people, the differences. And I think there's always going to be somewhere common that you can meet. And I think the common place is just being open and caring and wanting to yeah. learn. And, and, wanting and that's why queer, uh, queer culture and pride does it so really, really well. We, we actually 
give terminology to it. We, mm-hmm. we have fun with it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, you will have like, you know, fetish nights, you will have jockstrap nights, you will have like, you know, kink nights in the queer bars. Um, but also at the same time, there are, you know, things like appeal to me, like book readings and like um, writers groups and stuff like that. And then you, you can, you know, even, even if you are someone who is only into curvier guys or girls, we call them bears. We like, we will give a name to it. We'll <laughs> give a name to anything and everything. I think straight people should try that. It's yeah. just, it's much more fun. Like yeah. imagine if there was like animal names for what you were into and you would just put down this zoo of things that you like. Like, why not? <laughs> See, and that would just diversify Tinder profiles a whole lot more. Like, I think that's exactly. actually what we're missing. And that's something I've learned like through polyamory and like understanding all these different categories of ways you can have relationships. It's been like the closest I can find myself to be queer adjacent (laughs) because it's like, Oh, so you have something that people discriminate against you for. Okay, cool. There's your one thing. It's like, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm a hot white woman. My life's fine. But like, yeah, sometimes people don't like the fact that I like fucking six different people. Like that's my biggest problem. And, and you know what, though? And, and, and the thing about it is, and I always say that, like, when people are like, well, that's really hard, too. And I'm like, yeah, but you can hide that. Yeah. Like, what, totally. what you should realize is what, what you consider the most beautiful part about your sexuality, which for you, you've never been shy about um, what you believe and how many people you want to have sex with. And if it's enjoyable, do it. But imagine, like, there, there are still countries who would kill you for even uttering those words so not to bring the conversation down but like to be like a queer kid in um like in iran for example um forget it like that's not even a possibility but um yeah i i think that that's that's really um people um straight people cis straight people who who understand what it's like to be judged on a certain fact um anyone who happens to um be a little bit heavier than what people would consider normal weight understands that people who um, are in wheelchairs and are not able, um, they understand that it's about, it's about being told that you're not enough because of something you can't control. Yeah. And And seeking pleasure and where you seek pleasure is part of it. Can't control that. Yeah. You can deny yourself the pleasure, but you can't control it. Yeah. And I think that's where it's like, There's a difference between, okay, so here's a little bit of common ground where I could understand 1% of what someone might feel because of this mild discrimination I have felt over being polyamorous, over being a curvy bitch. But it's like, okay, so there I I have, there's this mild common ground. That doesn't mean I have any fucking clue what the hell it's like to grow up as a queer person. Like I have absolutely no idea. And I think a a challenge and an issue that I see is there's a difference between trying to find common ground so you can connect and open up dialogue and have real conversations, but you can't just say like, yeah, it's hard for me too. Like, no, first of all, it's like, no, (laughs) it's just like, you can't be like, oh, I've also had hardship for these reasons. That's not what we're talking about. 
We're talking no. about ways for you to be open-minded to the struggles that other people have and find ways to talk about it in a way that makes sense and computes for you in certain ways because of what you've been through. But that doesn't mean that the weight of what you've been through is anywhere near what yeah. any person in queer culture is dealing with. And I think that's a really important call And, and I think that um, with a lot of women coming to Pride, it's usually not a problem. It's the straight... It's the straight guys that uh, usually are a problem. Don't they always, um, aren't they the problem all the time though? Just all I, the time. I, I, <laughs> uh, sh- yes, patriarchy. Um, less, but I think they're the problem at Pride. Um, and any time that I've seen any sort of problem, it is usually not, you know, the the women who come to Pride, they, they usually have the most problem with trans women for some strange reason. Cis women have a problem with trans women sometimes even more so than um cis men but um that's that's so deep to get into um but um i think that the the cis men that come to pride um if you are a cis man listener of this podcast and you come to pride um please know um we don't know that you're straight so if you do get hit on take it as a compliment and it's just that and also not everyone's trying to have sex with you probably <laughs> only one percent of the whole entire population at pride wants to have sex with you because have you seen some gay guys so uh, know that there'll always be someone way hotter than you at that party because <laughs> they actually know how to wash their face <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck that's so good okay so one thing i want to finish up on is I think that if you are a person of privilege, if you can, you should throw money at queer causes anytime you can. So are there, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but are there certain places that you think would be great to donate to for Pride Month this month? I think that find your, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're listening from, so I don't want to make it specific to Toronto, but there are, um, I will highlight, if you are in Toronto, the 519 Community Centre will always take your donations, and you couldn't give it to a better place um, because they helped to vaccinate us. They helped to do so many different things. I saw my first voguing competition there, like, when I, like, there's just, yeah, give to the 519 Community Center, find your local um, shelter um, and find your local queer friendly shelter. Find, if that's not the Goodwill sh- shelter is basically what I'm trying to tell you is like, find like the one where the queer kids um, need um, of need go to. But also if you know any queer local business owners, support them. Yeah. Right now, they probably need your help a lot more than um, other places. So in Toronto, um, I love to eat. So um, we support Craig's Cookies because we know that it's such a queer-friendly place. And support your local drag bars and tip your drag queens and tip your servers um, in those places. And also like um, there are, um, we will, we will, the queer community loves to highlight that we're the queer community. So they will tell you if they're a queer um, business <laughs> owner. Um, another place in the West End, I know you live in the West End is Miss Pippa's um, is like, um, they carry a little bit of everything. You can get your coffee there. You can get flowers and stuff like that. Um, queer owned businesses find those places whether you're not in Toronto you must have those places and another way so to tie it all together is maybe 
urge your local library to buy more diverse content for it. Maybe if you can donate some of that stuff. So give them some queer books because there is that lonely queer kid who is looking to discover um, a queer story that resonates with him. So give to that, um, buy DVDs for your local public library to lend out because we need to see more stories like Moonlight seen by everybody. So that's, that's really, honestly, it, it doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes patience, practice, and just coming from a place of where we talked about very much in the beginning of respect. Yeah, for sure. That's so great. Well, this has been so fucking wonderful. I so appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of this. Like we said, we'll have a whole list of tons of different recommendations in all the different categories we've talked about, because I think that's so important. So why don't you tell the rest of the babes how they can find you on Instagram? Because you post tons of great stuff. I do. I post a lot about queer culture. So if you like queer books and movies, or if you want to learn about more queer, um, queer books and movies, um, my Instagram handle is um, Insta. You read me with the under thing, but I'm sure that you can put it in the comments. <laughs> yeah, it'll be in the comments. It's basically Insta, you read me with underscores in between each of them. It's super easy yeah. to find. Yeah, I just thank you for your openness. And I obviously, like, I'm so glad that we're friends and I'm so glad that we've become more friends and I know this is just the beginning Saeed of our incredible long-term friendship and I know I'll learn so much from you and I already have so just thanks again for being on thank you all right babes well thank you so much for listening once again this was Saeed Adabaki this has been yet another episode of your place or mine I'm your host Faye Savage be sure to be following me on Instagram at BaySavageXO. If you have not yet seen it, my beautiful new website at BaySavage.com. And babes, it's Pride Month. Just be good. Have respect. Show up where you're supposed to show up. And just don't be a piece of shit. All right, babes. We'll be back again next Sunday. Have a great week. Thanks again, Saeed. Bye.